Lilo, and welcome to the Fandamentalist, the fandom podcast investigating all aspects of geeky media. Welcome to the I Disappoint Dad Club. I've spent my life trying to build something here. Growing up, a non-white, non-straight girl in Blue Springs, Nebraska. I wouldn't wish to excite your anticipation. I never asked to be made! You're exactly the hero I wanted you to be. The theme song you just heard is Good Riddance by Ars Soner, which is available for you on the Free Music Archive. My name is Kylie, and here with me is Julia. Hi. And, oh, oh no, what happened to Gretchen? No! <laughs> She's possibly getting eaten by a lion or She's a hippo. She's fucking gone! No... She's not. Um, if you follow her on Twitter, and I can link her Twitter account for you guys, uh, Gretchen is currently in South Africa with two miniature bobbleheads of Lapis and Peridot, who she keeps photographing with, you know, the animals she's seeing on, like, a safari. <laughs> so there'll just be, like, a hippo in the background and, like, oh Lapidot. Oh my god, be careful of the hippos, Gretchen. I told her that. I said, don't get too close. You know how I feel about hippos. And she liked my tweet, which means she probably survived the encounter. She pro- probably, yeah. Now, um, because we didn't want you listeners to be completely Gretchenless for mm-hmm. an entire episode, we, we actually, yeah, we actually did record, um, two segments for, with Gretchen, which we're going to put in after this. And they were actually so long that they take up most of the episode anyway. Yeah. Because, you know, we get excited talking to her and stuff. So you have that to look forward to. But uh, other than that, oh, wait. Hey, Julia, what are we? Who are we? What do we write for? I- I'm confused. Uh, we're like a bunch of like yaboos who write on a website and try to sound intelligent. What website would that be? <laughs> Thefandamentals.com. Oh, is that fundamentally sound fandom analysis? It is fundamentally sound fandom analysis because even though we're a bunch of yaboos, we try really hard. Well, that is just humdiggity. Mm-hmm. And this podcast, in general, is your geeky media overview where we pick random topics that interest yeah, us and talk about We call about it our it. magazine-style show. I've literally never heard anyone refer to it like that before, but I've good to know. I've been referring to it like that since we started it, but okay. To me? In general. Mm. Julia never talks to me anymore. That's true. So what have you been up to, Kylie? Oi, uh, I just finished Crazy Ex-Girlfriend Season 2 this morning. Yeah, you're going to talk about that later, I know, because I'm sorry. I talk about it a lot later, and I have to say, I recorded that, like, when I was still very much towards the beginning of Season 2. The end of Season 2, I don't know how I feel about it. Ooh. I don't know. Yeah, but it's still, like, everything I say when I talk about it later, you're going to hear me blather. Uh, other than that, I went to a crazy posh wedding uh, oh. for the weekend. <laughs> Where they didn't serve food. Okay, so like it's a really Jewish late. right, it's a Jewish wedding, so it's like vaguely sundownish. They actually didn't want to wait so long that we wouldn't be eating till, you know, eight or eight fifteen or whatever the hell time the sun sets these days. Uh so the ceremony began at like quarter of seven. It was done by like 7.15, but the cocktail hour, my God, the cocktail hour, it was two hours, they lied, and the only appetizers that were there were gazpacho shots. That's not an appetizer. It's not an appetizer, but it was damn classy, I will tell you that. 
And then I had dinner at, yeah, 10. And I hadn't had lunch that day. And I had trained in from Philly. It was, ugh, it was a whole thing. Yeah. Upper East Side wedding. I don't recommend it. What are you up to, Julia? Um, not much. Working a little bit. Doing a lot of burples. My, my burpees have actually gotten, like, really, really good. Like, they don't kill me anymore. Um, I can't get any, like, actual work done because I'm so fucking distracted by, like, American politics. Okay, yeah, try living here. Try living here. No, it just, every time I turn around, I mean, okay, so we're recording this on May the 18th. By the time this episode comes out on Monday, God knows what will have happened. But yeah, and, and like we do try to stay kind of apolitical here, but it's not difficult to tell like what <laughs> sort of things would distress us and what sort of things would make us happy, you know? Yeah. And it's just like this is so all encompassing. No, but this isn't about politics at this point. It's about it's just... like the fact that you're living in some kind of like bizarre, like really badly written novel. Yeah, like the part where he leaked stuff leaked Israeli intelligence to the Russians. Like, that's the part where you're watching the show and you're like, okay, this is ridiculous. This would not happen. No, know? but it's it, it's like, it's like something like, you know, like a, yeah, like, like a comic relief character would do. He's a comic relief character in a cheesy political drama. <sighs> you know, it's, this is gonna be reality for a while. It just is. Um, I know. I, I have to find a way to focus. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I've done. Um, mm-hmm. because I usually listen to C-SPAN in the background of whatever work I'm doing. And I actually even found that stuff so distracting. And my political podcast, I just like can't listen to without my anxiety going yeah. through the roof anymore. So I've started listening to Twitch streamers of Breath of, of Breath of the Wild specifically, because it has relaxing noises. I usually do German, interestingly enough, but I found a Polish streamer and I'm fascinated by yeah, Polish. Yeah, she cause... spent all day sending me like random bits of like Polish and be like, what the fuck does this mean? Yeah, well, Julia, Julia is fluent in Polish for anyone who doesn't know that. So can you, wait, you should say something like, uh, ooh, what's, how do you say fundamentally sound phantom analysis? I have no idea. Those are all big words. I speak like kitchen Polish. <laughs> Well, okay, well, give us a phrase. Next in these pogadgets. I don't know what it said, what that meant, but it sure sounded cool. Okay. Uh, alright, yeah, okay, what we normally do at the beginning of this podcast instead of blathering is talk about fandom news! So let's get on with fandom news! Uh, really, honestly, this time of year, the biggest thing that's coming, cause like, you know, TV shows are concluding and stuff, we're learning what's getting canceled and what's getting renewed for the 2017 uh, fall season. Yeah. So a few, you know, not, not too many shocks with a lot of these like grim got canceled, but yeah. I think it's ratings had been diminished for a really long time. Um, there's some shows that have been canceled that I didn't even know were shows. So I can't really talk about like it what? too much. Uh, like, like, um, okay. Blind Spot. Have you ever heard of Blind Spot? No. Or Aquarius? Yeah, okay. So, oh, uh, fucking Emerald City got cancelled. <laughs> oh no, how tragic. Our oh, reviewer no. gave up, okay? Our reviewer <laughs> was, was like, just I like, can't. I can't do this anymore, I'm so sorry, and we're like, we don't want to edit them anymore, don't worry about it. Um, The Simpsons has been renewed for at least two more seasons, oh. so it will hit, the, it will hit that 30th. Family Guy has been renewed, so it's gonna hit that 16th. Family Guy's still f- on? Get the fuck off the air. I know. Who watches it at this Speaking point? Speaking of getting the fuck off the air, Supernatural, seriously? Supernatural got renewed. Yeah, it's still what, going. Like, what is that show now? Like, what, what, like, what have they not done on that show? 
that they still need to do. I don't know why the actors don't just, like, revolt at this point. Like, who seriously still wants to be doing that? <sighs> um, Bones got canceled after 12 seasons, so oh, they're going to have a season finale. Uh, yeah. 12, 12 was, years is a very good run, so. Yeah, it's a really, really good run, especially for that. Uh, New Girl got renewed, but it's seventh season. It's going to be its last season for New Girl, which is, um, I don't really know what more story I mean, there is. Yeah, she's not tell. new anymore, is she? She's very, no, she's old girl. That's just, uh, Sleepy Hollow got canceled. Suck it. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> what happens where when you, you pull your Where are you going to get Daria Ellerbeck the gifts now? I mean, no. They killed her, but, you know. Somehow Gotham got renewed. I, I mean, like, I, that was the show I couldn't get past the pilot episode. I really should, like, check out if Maybe it's Maybe it improved. Better. Like, Supergirl Maybe. got a lot better, I remember, in the second half of the first season. Supergirl got a lot better in the second half of the first season, and then it hit a sophomore mm. slump. Though, though Supergirl is going to be continuing on into season three, so hopefully the writers can, like, plan for season three instead of whatever the hell season two was. <laughs> I mean, it was fine. It was fine. It's just like they had major, major pacing problems, and then Monel got away from them, and it was yeah. It's just they needed some fine tuning, a lot of fine tuning. Uh, Scream Queens actually, the status is unknown, and that's unfortunate because I'm all yeah, a fan of it. Some people are really, really into it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I know. I know at least one of my friends would be very upset. Hey, good news though: The Bachelor and Bachelorette have both been renewed. Oh my god! I'm actually like. I'm happy. <laughs> um, Modern Family was renewed for at least two more seasons, so there's going to be ten seasons of that at least, which uh, is not a sitcom I saw that had any staying power, to be perfectly honest. It's just so milk toast. But... I don't know. It's been a very long time since I've watched any sitcoms. Yeah, it's just that one that interests me. Somehow Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. got renewed after its well, very sloppy fourth season, but um, it's probably just financials. Like, it's not that much to keep it going. Yeah. Do they film in Vancouver? They probably do. They probably, like that. yeah. Probably they get the tax Actually, breaks. <laughs> man, I don't know the answer. Once Upon a Time was renewed, which... Uh... Oh, that's another show. That's How is it still on? <laughs> I know. Um, I think we talked about that actually in the fairy tale segment. <laughs> Designated Survivor got renewed. I quit it after five episodes because it was getting ridiculous, but now I kind of want to catch up. Yeah, I it's it's a little hard to watch apocalyptic Washington D.C. stories in the age of Trump. To be yeah, honest, too too much like real life. A little, and then like I don't I don't know what twists and turns it's gone with. But then I was like the, the FBI investigation subplot was ridiculous. But my favorite thing about Designated Survivor, you know the premise, right? No, that, I can't um, actually. Oh, okay. So whenever there's a big, big, big event in Washington, so in this case it was the State of the Union address, there is one member of the cabinet who is taken away from the Capitol building and put somewhere else just in case there's an attack. That person is the designated survivor. So uh, it was HUD. It was as a housing and urban development secretary who's played by Kiefer Sutherland. And he was like locked away. And, you know, he's kind of just like in his sweatshirt, just like joking about things. And mm -hmm. then there's, you know, a terrorist attack. The Capitol blows up. Boom. He's the president. And it's just like how he navigates that. And then there's like an FBI subplot of like who blew up the Capitol. Uh, and it's, you know, interesting. It's not quite the was political drama. No, I don't know. I didn't watch far enough. But what I love about the scenario is that in real world, it would be Ben Carson. That would be the designated survivor. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was going to comment about that. Yeah. Would you prefer Ben Carson or Paul Ryan? Oh, Ben Carson. He's just... <laughs> entertainment value is just much higher. No, um, 
I think I actually do want to try to catch up with Designated Survivor. Mm. Just see it. You know, maybe one day I'll find the West Wing that I've always wanted. Um, okay, one thing. Okay, Big Bang Theory has been renewed for two more seasons. Which, my God, that's still going on. Yeah, I can't take. The guy just got married, Sheldon. I can't take it anymore. Uh, two broke girls got canceled, which is interesting. Two broke girls. Mm-hmm. It was on for six seasons. I didn't know it had lasted that long. Yeah. They went broke that whole time? Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) Uh, The Odd Couple was cancelled. My favorite, okay, the one I want to talk about is The Great Outdoors was, Great Indoors, I'm sorry. Is that the The one where they, like, blame millennials for everything? Yes, it's the one starring Joel McHale, and it's all about how millennials are stupid, and how they all have, like, you know, anxiety animals that they bring to work, and... Yeah, uh, basically it's written by a bunch of pissed off Gen Xers, and uh, it got cancelled after one season. So, suck on that. And, uh, Vampire Diaries was cancelled. Oh, it was? That's probably a big deal. Yeah, that's probably, yeah, we probably should have opened with that, sorry. Uh, The Hundred was renewed, I think we already knew that. Yeah, we did. Uh, Game of Thrones was renewed. Oh my god, what? (laughs) I'm I'm just shocked. Uh, the Americans was renewed. It's going to have its sixth and final yeah. season. Fargo's status is actually unknown, and that's not shocking because this season has been a little. Um, people have not been thrilled. Yeah, it's, it's been a little dark, piling on the darkness. From what I'm given to understand, uh, and then oh, Westworld is renewed, but it's not going to be back in 2018. It's probably going to be 2019 season. Okay, so, or no, I'm sorry, not going to be back until 2018. I'm jumping ahead. I mean, that's like, uh, fine, you know? Like, take the time to actually write. <laughs> yeah, oh, Mindy Mindy Project is going to go into its final season. Uh, Handmaid's Tale has already been renewed. It's mm-hmm. just been, like, you know, all of that. Bojack Horseman's been renewed. Uh, Crown's been renewed. Oh, that's good. 13 Reasons Why has been, which I know is contentious, but I haven't seen it, so I can't comment. And Are they going to have somebody else commit suicide? I don't know. I don't know. My my sister, for what it's worth, is is like studying to be a therapist, and she said it was handled really, really, really poorly. Like very um, irresponsibly was the word she used. Oh, that's upsetting. Anyway, the final piece of news. There's actually two more pieces of news. Uh, one is Arrested Development season five has officially been confirmed by Netflix. Huh. Uh, I, yeah. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Well. I just hope they don't do the follow individual characters and go back to a chronological order kind of thing. Do you? Because, yeah, we can't have a show that only is clever in the final episode. Like, it just wasn't... It just would have been tighter, you know? And uh, there's actually a, a chronological cut of Arrested Development that a fan put together, and apparently it's much, much better, of season four. So I don't know. I didn't really have any problems with it. I just, I thought season four was like, eh. but I don't know. It's also another show, like, who knows why it was a cult hit when it was a cult hit, but I'm mm-hmm. not sure how much they're able to improve on that formula. Um, and then the final piece of news is Marvel's Dumpster Fire, Secret Empire, <sighs> is getting an extra issue, which, like, literally everyone called. I'm pretty sure Comic Book Resource, like, had a bingo board or something that said this was going to happen with their events. So, yay, they want to conclude the story properly. Of course, because so, everyone is just lapping it up, I guess. I guess. I don't know who I, they are. I don't know. I, I, I didn't, from what I understand, this newer issue is just stupid, but I haven't seen enough of it to comment. There's like a second Steve Rogers or something, like, 
I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I just want it to end. I just want it to stop. So, yeah. I think that's all we got for the news segment. So, we're going to jump into the uh, segments that we recorded with Gretchen that are going to be a lot better planned and a lot more entertaining. <laughs> One hopes. I mean, what can I say? I'm just... I don't know. What's going on, Julia? <laughs> I'm literally, I can't do anything because I'm distracted by, like, MSNBC. They're just like, what does Joe Scarborough think? I actually care. I don't know why. Joe Scarborough? I know, Joe Scarborough. I want the deets on him and Mika, though. Um, I want as few deets <laughs> as possible. I mean, do they spend all, all their time in bed arguing about politics? There was a really good comment by someone on the Young Turks that uh-huh. was like, this This engagement proves that love can overcome political divides when you're both incredibly rich. Or something like that. <laughs> yeah. The Young Turks, too. I've been listening to them. Yeah. I mean, I only really like Anna and that guy yep. who wears a t-shirt with his jacket. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, I mean, Anna's, Anna's a gift from the gods. But yeah. hey, you know what? Instead of talking about this, let's just transition. The situation's a lot more nuanced than that. Alright, so for our first segment, we are going back in time. Back because... in time. Wait, guess who's here? It's Gretchen. She didn't really leave. <gasps> oh my god, Reggie, we missed you! Oh my gosh! I'm so she glad came- you haven't been eaten by a lion. <laughs> She actually came back because she missed us so much that she was like, I can't. I and can't she was this. afraid of the lions. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. they were all pink lions, like Steven's lion. I don't even know if you're going to where there's lions. But uh, I think there are. are lions in South Africa. I know, but it's a big place. That's you true. Be going to that are, there sa- are, there, are there lions in Lesotho? No, I, would I think Lesotho is too mountainous for lions. Okay. okay. Well, like, I am going on a safari, so I oh, will probably okay. see lions. Yeah. Oh, you gave it away. Now people know that you're not really back. <laughs> I mean, I went on a safari. It was awesome. What are you talking about? <laughs> to prepare for Gretchen leaving, we decided that we still needed her in this podcast because we do. So we are recording this session. We recorded it uh, like a week before she left. Mm-hmm. And we are going to be talking about fairy tales. Yes. I don't know why I did that with my voice. It's why do they call them topic. fairy tales when only a small proportion of them involve fairies? Uh, hmm. I believe that it might have to do with fairy being like the land of like magic or like being like fairy in the other, in the weird spelling, um, that you'll often find the F-A-E-R, mm-hmm. i.e. like the fae, meaning like it's some kind of like non Mm-hmm. earthly world i think is maybe where it comes from i mean they're technically just folk tales most of them yeah just like european well not all of them are european but like most of what we call fairy tales are european folk tales well because the ones that we brought with us are pretty european um but yeah basically fairy tales come up fucking everywhere yep. and everything all the time yep. and even even when you don't expect it, it's like oh this is kind of based on this fairy tale mm-hmm so, yeah, we're just going to have a conversation about that. Uh, first of all, what do we think of them for adaptations? Like, we have a lot of adaptations of fairy tales, yeah. I think. Well, they're nice and convenient and in the public domain and stuff, so it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And in recent right. years, like, there was, like, that one year 
when like Grimm and Once Upon a Time came out. Yep. Like right at on top of each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't there also the um wasn't there Beauty and the Beast the TV show? There have been that, a like couple. I could have sworn it starred what's her face Lana from Smallville. Oh my god, Kristen Oh, Freig. Yeah. Right. It was one of the eighties too. Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Yeah. I think that one you're talking about was on, was it on the CW? I feel like it was a CW yeah, show. Yeah, 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 it was. Yeah. I didn't watch it, but it was Kristen Kroik and the Beast. <laughs> um, but I feel like it was like at the same time as Once Upon a Time and Grimm were out too. Yeah. I think. I think so. Uh, that sounds right. I mean, cause, yeah, cause Once Upon a Time is in its seventh, we're gonna be starting its seventh season. Good, seriously? Fucking. Yep. God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't feel like it's been that long, but it has. <laughs> Feels like longer. <laughs> I, I have seen officially ten minutes of Once Upon a Time. I've, I saw, I think, the first three seasons in oh, their wow. entirety. Um, I can't. I, like, I kind of can't understand why it's still on the air. Like, what are they doing now? Like, I don't. I know. I they put like Frozen in there at one point, right? Yep. yep. I saw Dorothy making out with uh, Sleeping Beauty, maybe or something. Red Riding Hood. No, red, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, Dorothy and Red Riding Hood, like, got it on, and Mulan would, like, gave them their blessing. It was really weird. <laughs> that was, yeah. The ten, that was the ten minutes clip I saw. It was, like... Well, I, I think once upon a time, like, at least, like, the concept of it is very interesting when you're talking about fairy tale adaptations, because, like, the entire concept behind that show is taking these kind of fairy tales and, like, really... Ex- Exploring them and kind of like undermining that story and challenging the assumptions and things like that. Mm-hmm. And like the way that they like kind of like intertextualizes different fairy tales. Yeah. You know. So, so like it, it, it combines the, the, the beast of Rapunzel into a single character, not Rapunzel, uh, Rumpelstiltskin into a single character, you know, and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, a and they brought, spoiler. Sorry about that. They brought <laughs> in like Alice in Wonderland at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, and like things that we wouldn't necessarily consider fairy tales, um, but are like just part of that same, I guess, like narrative. I mean, I'm sure it's just because they belong to Disney. And yeah. So it seems like for a while they were just being like, we'll just bring in things that belong to Disney, whether or not they're technically fairy tales or not. But that, I mean, that's an interesting choice, I think. Yeah. And just like, like, you know, that universe, like the fairy tale universe, whatever they call it, the, the lost kingdom, or, you know, the place yeah. where the evil queen rules, like, you know, it kind of exists because somebody made a story about it, you know? It's kind of, it's mm-hmm. like, uh, like, uh, never a new story kind of thing going on there. Oh, yeah. So yeah. do you guys enjoy these elements for a show? Because it sounds like you don't like Once Upon a Time. I mean, it's not that I don't like the show. I just, like, I can't imagine, like, six seasons of it. <laughs> you know, like, I think it's a concept that would eventually grow stale. I mean, it was still doing okay, when I was watching it, like, when they were, like, in Neverland and things like that. Yeah, I but watched it, the first season. Mm-hmm. Like, the first season is, it's, it's like, pretty tight, you know? Like, it's yeah, an arc. Yeah, I think it was when, it was the moment when they collapsed our world and Storybrooke that I lost interest. Um. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, this, like, Emma has gone through, like, these, like, evil phases and things like that now. It's just, like, you're the, like... Like, you can tell, like, even from afar that that show has lasted a bit too long. Right, and I think that the point for me is that it it was both, like, too close to the original sources. Mm-hmm. Um, like, very, yeah. very much a, like, we are taking, we are just, like, bringing fairy tales into our world. 
um, while also being a bit, uh, kind of like a soap opera after a while. Yeah. I mean, like, when you talk about, like, Emma going through evil and right. phases, and you can tell which one she's in because of her makeup, you know, like... Right. But, like, uh-huh. these elements at their core, do you like them for adaptations or just to be played with? Or is this, like... Like, at, at this point, like, these are texts that have to be played with. Like, doing a straight right. adaptation of a fairy tale, like, unless right. it's for children, like, in a very basic way, mm-hmm. like, there's no value to it. Well, and that's something that came up when we talked about the Disney adaptations. And about how right. unless they're going to do something different with it, there's, like, what is the value? This this same story has already been told once. Unless yeah, you're like, going to do something... In that case, we're talking about adaptations of adaptations. Right. But, like, if you, if you wanted to go back to, like, you know, kind of build, like, you know, Beauty and the Beast back up from the original story rather than from the animated movie... Which mm-hmm. is very disturbing. Yeah, well, word. Yeah. yeah. I would actually prefer closer actual adaptations of the Grimm... Like, at least if I we're mean, doing, if we're doing Western, yeah. like, if we're doing Western fairy tales, if you're going to adapt mm-hmm. it, I think that going closer actually to, like, I guess you would call the original sources, which are themselves not actually the original sources. Like, Grimm's fairy tales are just written down versions of oral yeah. narratives. And so there are, there are like, do- there were dozens of versions of what we call Cinderella. It's just mm-hmm. that Grimm happened to collect a specific version and then you'll yeah, find other the ones. the old lady he happened to run into in that village in Thurgia, you know? Right, yeah. And if you go to France, you'll get a slightly different version, like, mm-hmm. so. I mean, Ditto goes for Hans Christian Andersen stuff, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it wasn't exactly breaking new ground. It kind of was, like, fanfic a little bit. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it was breaking new ground in terms of, like, it was part of a movement in Europe in the 19th century of, like, going back to, like, nationalistic folk roots. Yeah. And a lot of the way that we, like, talk about character archetypes and narratives Mm -hmm. stems from the work that Grimm and other, like, linguists did at the time. Where, you know, if we talk about, like, the the wise woman or the crone or, you know, the the mentor, like, all of that comes from the work that these men, and they were, I say men because they they were men, um, (laughs) that we know of, um comes from that. So really, if we're going to, like, fairy tales were necessary, I think, for for the way we talk about literature and the way we analyze, like, archetypes and tropes, they really started it all with collecting these stories together and then trying to see where the the patterns were emerging in characters. Yeah, but they they also, they they made decisions about which stories to collect. Right. Right. Um, So, like, I think in terms of adaptation, I would either say, like, for me at least, I would either say, like, go back to kind of more of the dark, disturbing tales because I think there's something interesting there in telling that version um, mm-hmm. or subversion. I think yeah, that Yeah, it's only because, like, fairy tales are so strongly associated with, like, children. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, something like Once Upon a Time is, is like, you know, trying to subvert that. Well, aren't isn't that because, like, a lot of fairy tales have a moral component to them? Like, don't fuck up, like, listen to your parents, basically, is what most of these boil down to. <laughs> um, I think, like, that's, that's, like, a, that is an adaptational decision, I think, that was made at some point yep. to make fairy tales instructive stories for children. Mm-hmm. I don't think that they would necessarily always like that. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Like, I think that's something you could blame the Brothers Grimm for. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess it's fairy tale dependent, too, because, like, in Beauty and the Beast, Belle's mm-hmm. dad sells her, like... Yeah. That's how that, that's how that one went down in the original. 
Um, God, you know, do you remember the website, The Toast? I don't believe they're producing anything new. But they had fairy tales made more horrific, but it was actually just like very, it was kind of just like taking the original text and only tweaking it ever so slightly, but they're just Mm -hmm. awful. Yeah. When you get down to that, that was a cool series. Yeah, Um, all of the, all of the villains in, or most of the villains, I would say, in like the grim version of fairy tales, meet horrible, horrible, horrible ends. Like, not, oh, yeah. ju- not just like they died. It was like they, they die like gruesome, horrible, like awful deaths. Yeah, like being right, the- uh, cooked in a bread oven, for example. Or like dying because you were given like iron shoes that were shoes, like yep. heated in a fire and you danced till you died. Or having like yep. your, your like body parts cut off and then like birds peck your eyes out. Like it's, they're, they're pretty awful. Um, although the little mermaid turns into foam. Yeah, well, and that story is just tragic from the beginning. Yeah. Because, like, she is in pain all the time. She's in constant pain when she's walking on Earth. Um, Which is more realistic. Yeah. You're. I mean, you know, realistic for a mermaid. <laughs> yeah, when you're yeah. changing your body like, that she much. Didn't, she didn't evolve <laughs> to be, like, you know, her body didn't really. Like, it's like when whales are beached, they kind of die under their own weight. Right. <laughs> you know, she didn't evolve to walk on the Earth. This is taking it's a turn. <laughs> <laughs> but like, so your question, like, I, I think that we are oversaturated with straight adaptations. And I mean that both as in like direct adaptations and in straight as in heterosexual. Oh my God. Um, because I think what an interesting way to, because fairy tales are so common, we gay. all know them. I think an interesting way to subvert them is to make it, yeah, is to make them queer. Yeah, like yeah, you're once right. upon a yeah, time. You're absolutely right. Like, and it can be like a way to explore a lot of different diversity in these stories. You know, you can have mm-hmm. gen, you could change up gender, you could change up, like, you can make them significantly more feminist than, um, yeah. the original tales. You know, you know by- this reminds me, this is, reminds me of, uh, you know, in Hollow Crown, uh, the, it's like a cycle of Shakespeare history plays that mm-hmm. the BBC has been producing. Um, they cast, uh, Margaret of Anjou as a black woman and, like, the internet exploded <sighs> about how it's historically inaccurate. Oh and God. just like, oh, okay. no, this is a Shakespeare history play. Like, historical accuracy doesn't really enter into it. And, uh, like, that's kind of how I think fairy tales should be treated. Like, mm-hmm. they belong to the kind of, like, Western, you know, European tradition, but there's no reason for them to be confi- confined by that anymore. Right. Yeah, and I think even, you know, you can subvert it with certainly casting and with making, you know, having an intent that you wouldn't otherwise have, I think. But you can also subvert it, just like play with fairy tale elements, but it's it's very open to satire, I think. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In general. Because I was was actually thinking, because I was like, yeah, God, we're oversaturated when we first were talking about doing this segment. But like, no, I actually fucking love anything with fairy tale elements in it. Like... Into the Woods is mm-hmm. one of my favorite musicals because Sondheim basically took all these fairy tales and was like, some of these are just incomprehensible to me. Yeah, we have to honeypot this shit. <laughs> yeah, because he's like, why the hell would Cinderella not be able to pick between this like perfect life and these horrible people and like being a slave? So he just like made it about like her being indecisive and worried that she couldn't fit in or whatever and that she wasn't going to live up to expectations. So that's how he created Steps of the Palace. Right. Um, and then he just like kind of 
really just went over and beyond with like some of these like you know the witch actually like Rapunzel actually calls out the witch for her terrible parenting and she's like I was just trying to be a good mother like he mm-hmm. he, he goes with it but then even beyond that um have you guys ever seen the musical or heard of the musical Once Upon a Mattress yes no which is, is it about the princess uh, and the pea it is yeah <laughs> I guessed it's hokey as all hell like mm-hmm. it's it's definitely it's definitely not Stephen Sondheim but they just take basically a, a princess who's the anti-hero of princesses it's not that she's like an anti-hero but she's just the anti-princess really in yep. terms of how she acts she's like rude and her name is Winifred but her nickname is Fred so there's a song that the prince sings called I'm in love with a girl named Fred hmm. and she's just very like brash and like comes in and it's just like who's the lucky man and all this stuff and um I, but they just take the story of the Princess of the Pea and they make it humorous and mm. a little ridiculous. Well, it's right. a ridiculous story. Of course <laughs> so, it is. Like, you might as well acknowledge that and do something with it. Uh-huh. But I absolutely love anything that will just take it and really mock the hell out of it. I think those are so much fun. Mm-hmm. Or in any of the King's Quest games all have fairy tale elements in them, and I just can't get enough of that. Mm-hmm. So I-, I think you're right. I think we're oversaturated with like fucking Disney's. But <laughs> no, it, it's just it's more the like the the Disney thing. We talked about this when we talked about these adaptations, which is like they're adaptations of adaptations at this point. Yeah, but like the whole thing is just like you know, like the canon of Disney animated fairy tale movies are, like, texts in themselves apart from what they're adaptations of. Right. They have become so at this point. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And it's when you when you think of fairy tales, you jump to Disney. Mm-hmm. You just do. Yep. Yep. Which is... I mean, like, I, I, I joked about how, like, it's because they're in the public domain, which is, like, you know, you can just do adaptations of them and not worry. But, like, they're in the public domain, like, in terms of, like, they're so, like, just, like, in our brains as a culture mm-hmm. as well. You know? Like, just, like, at, at this, like, these are texts that, like, just say, like, you know, doing a straight adaptation of a fairy tale at this point is so, is not really, doesn't really have any value because, you know, everybody knows these stories and everybody kind of, like, like, if you're going to retell the story, you have to, like, make it different somehow. You have to challenge like, the story that everyone has in their brains, or else, like, what's the point? Right. I, I agree with you. At the same time, Julia, I think it's helpful that they're sort of in the brain domain, if I may, mm-hmm. <laughs> because if an author wants to use elements of it in some way, or challenge it in some way, it needs almost no setup whatsoever. Right. Yeah, you're right about that. It's I mean, just there and accessible. I mean, they have become their own archetypes. Yeah. In that sense, like everyone knows that if you, like everyone recognizes these story elements. Well, not everyone. Like people who yeah, are like, raised like, in a Western context, like understand yeah. the story elements being used here. Like so, the Cinderella story kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you can make a shorthand. They're like, I mean, they're, they're, they're tropes. Mm-hmm. Like they're shortcuts. They're storytelling shortcuts. You can use them that way. Some are used more often than not. Oh, Shrek. There's another one that parodied fairy tales right like, yeah mm-hmm. and did it well yeah but like, like like these parodies like what i think these parodies have in common or even like once upon a time it's like it's challenging the kind of like idealized vision of the world in which fairy tales exist that people seem to have mm-hmm. and that kind of idealized vision i think has a lot to do with disney and the fact that they made fairy tales like associated with childhood so strongly like that whole happily ever after thing right and I would say especially, like, some of the more recent Disney films have more of that 
problem because you watch some of the older Disney films. Like, for example, I'm thinking of, like, Snow White. Mm -hmm. Um, And, like, it's fucking creepy, man. Like, the bad guys are really evil in some of the old ones. Like, they're not... We tend to think of Disney, I think a lot of people nowadays think of Disney as being very, like, sanitized um, in some ways. But, like, some of the villains in... And that doesn't get at the happy ending part, but like some of the, some of the ways that villains were, were depicted in some of the older films are a lot more frightening, I would say. Um. Yeah, I mean, Jafar's pretty scary, but aside from that, I think Ursula, Ursula and Jafar were scary in uh-huh. that way. But like otherwise we're kind of dealing with like, you know, complicated familial dynamics with like Scar or right. like the fucking patriarchy with Mulan or to some extent, uh, Beauty and the Beast where Gaston is just like a, an embodiment of that. Uh, Hans actually kind of fits in with that too. Mm-hmm. A little bit. Right. Um, and then just like, yeah, I was going to say Rapunzel entangled, like the mom is barely a villain. I mean, she is, she, she's an evil person, but like, mm-hmm. It's not the most unrealistic thing in the world. Yeah. I mean, like, like that, the conflict, the conflict in that story isn't so much that there's a villain, you know? And, right. uh, I, uh, I'll write something on this one day, but Rapunzel, like, as a fairy tale means a ton to me mm. in, like, what it does if you have a difficult relationship with your parent. And right. the whole thing is about her, like, wanting to prevent you from leaving a tower and experiencing mm-hmm. the world because of fear. Like right. that's a, that's a whole thing. But I, I think that that is a really good point because like, if you look back on Snow White or like sleeping, like Maleficent is fucking horrifying. Yeah. yeah she, I mean, she calls on the powers of hell, like yeah. literally <laughs> calls on the powers of hell. She has no chill whatsoever. <laughs> that's for sure. And then they like, compare that to Hades, right? Yeah. Who's like supposed to be the powers of quote unquote hell. And he's just like, Gay. Sassy. <laughs> yeah. But like, that's where, that's what makes, like, you bring up beating, like, not beating the beast, sleeping beauty. That's a really good point because I think that Maleficent is one of the most successful recent adaptations that Disney made. I mean, a lot of, it may not have the critical acclaim that like beating the beast did, but like what was interesting about Maleficent is that it took like a well-known story and mm-hmm. was like, yeah, we don't know the whole picture and it subverted it. It turned it into yeah. a story about I mean, honestly, about rape. Yeah. Rape. It was like a rape. It was a story about a woman who was violated sexually, like the equivalent of sexually violated by a man. And, and the bond, like the strong bond and love between two women. Like, just like, just, just <laughs> like, um, Wicked told the story of two young queer women. Yeah. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Which brings us back to our like earlier discussion about like, I think that because we all know these stories so well, like, subverting them can be an interesting way to, like, shine a light on mm-hmm. certain aspects of society. Because mm-hmm. everyone knows the expected story. So if you say, no, actually, this is not a story about, like, a woman who is evil and jealous of a beautiful other woman. This is actually a story about how, like, these two, like, one woman was completely misunderstood because, like, she lashed out because she was sexually violated. And it's about the strong, like bond between these two women and how that's more powerful than all of the douchebag douchebag guys around them and, like, and I mean Zach, Zach would get mad at us for besmirching Sleeping Beauty anyway because clearly it's about the feminist power of the fairies totally <laughs> so. I, I love that article by the way we should link it yeah we'll, we'll definitely we'll link definitely that. link it <laughs> it was yeah, such a that great was piece. one of the best 
Um, that being said, I wouldn't mind seeing a real adaptation of Sword in the Stone. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be nice. There's nothing feminist about it, though. <laughs> right. Nothing feminist about it, but at least we'd get it instead of whatever the hell that well, Yeah, was. whatever. I don't even know. I mean, you could just, you could change it up by making the main character a woman. Like, there are ways you could, yeah. Monster yeah, King was exactly what we're talking about. It was, like, a reevaluation of a character, of a story that's very much in the kind of shared cultural experience. Um, mm-hmm. so, yeah, hey, I'm, I agree. I'm glad you brought up culture, because we only have, like, a few minutes left in this, but, uh, let's talk about culture, because are we too European and Western focused with the the fairy tales that we use? Yes. So, I, I mean, like, for me, I think it depends on what we're going for. Like, I think there is value, as we've been saying, in using, like, the well-known story that we know to say something different, to, like, subvert it. But I think, like, if we want, I think there's also value in saying, like, there are other folktale traditions that we yeah. can draw on and have really interesting, compelling stories about them as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, but these aren't these aren't stories that everybody knows either, but, like... You know, whose fault, like, is it's time for that to change, I think, yes. definitely. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. there's no reason for global culture to be Western culture anymore, you know? It is... Right, right. Like, Although it's, it's funny because, like, you know, you know how there's, like, um, Gaelic folklore or, uh, like, Jewish folklore, mm-hmm. and there will be elements used from that. I've had, actually had people ask me, if someone puts golems in their story, is that anti-Semitic? Like, mm. what? Or appropriative. Like, what the fuck? Like, isn't that just kind of borrowing from a sort of cultural zeitgeist and, like, using these fantastical elements somewhere? Like, to me, there's no negative of it, right? Mm. Well, there, you know, you can definitely do it in an appropriative way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. But, like, I, I know, like, it's like the idea of a golem is just so fucking fascinating. <laughs> like, you know, like, right? you know, like, it's, it's in Shelley, even, and just, like... <sighs> When you have, when you have like, you know, good ideas from other cultures, it makes sense, like, to use them. And like, there, there is always that fine line with appropriation. And that's like a question that we always have to ask. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you can also bring people into the writer's room with you. Exactly. That, like, yeah. it's not going to make you infallible, but it's And if we're talking about, least... like, you know, breaking this hold that Western European culture has on us, then like, the way to do it is to get people who aren't familiar with things, familiar with things, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So, right. And when yeah. I think about it, like, as someone who wants to be an, an original, like, I want to write novels. Um, yeah. And I think about, like, writing a fantasy novel. And so often, I think especially as, as white people who are heirs of a very Western-centric tradition, like, the default for fantasy is, like... Medieval Europe. Medieval. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's medieval Europe. And, like, that's the thing that I, like, when and I very, about, like, like, particular, like, you know, southern France kind of. Yeah, <laughs> and, like, too. that's a thing that needs to change. And I think yeah. that, like, the, pro- like, using fairy tales so much contributes to that. Because, I mean, because typically the setting for fairy tales is exactly that. But, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the same as fantasy. They, those, like, lenses blur a little, like, a lot. Or those, like, genres, like, blur, I think. Fantasy and fairy tales, we typically, like, set them... Yeah, and they always and they, end with a heterosexual wedding. Right. And the thing is, you don't have to. Like, the thing mm-hmm. with a folktale, even if the folktale originated in what is now Germany, doesn't mean it has to be populated by 
Teutonic looking people who live yeah. in medieval Europe. <laughs> right, right. Like, the, that's the whole frozen thing. Cause it's like, oh, well, it's Hans Christian Andersen. He said it in Scandinavia. Like, that's nice. <laughs> so. But it didn't have to be set in Scandinavia. Yeah. Right. I mean, I guess it, I guess Northern would make the ice powers a little cooler, but why not? Could have been like Inuit princesses. Yeah. Right? That would have been excellent. Could have been like fucking, well, it would have been Katara, because then we have a water bender, but. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Oh, man. Oh, my God. Um, but yeah, no, I think that like we need to do both things. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Like there's, there's, yeah, there's something we can do with like the Western stories that we have, because we all know them. Like there are ways that we can like play with them in interesting new ways. And also we need to expand our folktale base. Instead of everyone deciding to make, like, their own spin on, you know, fairy tales like what happened with Beauty and the Beast and Once Upon a Time and Grimm. Yeah. It's like, well, but, you know, I like Grimm. I actually, of the three, like, Grimm was the one that I stuck with. But, like, Grimm even could have been, and they did, like, they did expand, but, like, you any of those adaptations could have been anything other than, like, a mostly white populated world about medieval European fairy tales. Like, Mm -hmm. the only reason that when we think fairy tales, we think medieval Europe is because that's what we've done for so long. But, like, fairy tales as a genre, like, folk tales are literally global. Literally every culture has its own folk tales. Yeah. So, we could be drawing on those, too. I think, I I, I agree. I think it would be cool to see a mix of this. Yeah. Like, like mm-hmm. you said, I think that's exactly what we need because there's always going to be elements to subvert what's been so well established, first of all. Mm-hmm. There's always elements to make things more representative that have already been established. I mean, like, it would just be cool. It would just be cool to have Beauty and the Beast be gay. Like, <laughs> why not? Hey, they had a gay character in Beauty and the Beast. How dare you? Oh, shut up. <laughs> oh, my God. Or, like, with the book, with the book that, um, my, uh, I'm going to promo my team for book club. Um, the, the book that the techno wizards just did for a book oh, club. Oh yes. Oh my God. That sounds so good. The, yeah. like, if you guys haven't read it, like go read the dark wife. Oh my God. It's so good. And the dark wife is, is this, it's a sapphic retelling of the Hades and Persephone myth. And so it's amazing. Like it's a straight adaptation in the sense that like, it's literally the Greek gods and goddesses. Like, literally, it's just the Greek gods and goddesses. But, like, the adaptational decision that they made to subvert it was like, oh, and Hades is a woman, and Persephone, like, left Olympus of her free will to escape the giant douchebag that is Zeus. I was like, um, yes, everything, mm-hmm. all of that. Like, <laughs> I want more of this. We're way over time, <laughs> by the way. Oh, um, yeah, we are. Well, no, not way over time, dude. Don't be... A drama llama. It's like 50% overtime. Okay. Well, we're trying to milk Gretchen for everything that we have while she's still here. All right. So. That sounds vaguely cardinal. All right. <laughs> okay. So what, I guess this is a good place to wrap it up. Right. Then. Exactly. Any closing thoughts on fairy tales? Just change them? Do something different? Yeah. Do something with them. Do something yes. with them. You can't, Some like, you can't just rest thing. on the laurels of we all know this story. Yeah. Well, exactly. Unfortunately, I don't think that's what we're getting with Disney's live action shit, but maybe other stuff will do it. Yes, maybe. And all the powers of hell! 
So, we do not have any more adaptational maxims to talk about. Oh, no. I don't get to hear you talk about opioids today. (laughs) I had to mention the opioids every time it was necessary. No, we're going to do another fun segment. Do you guys remember that one time we did I Just Watched a Thing and Mm -hmm. we read Carmen Sandiego fanfic for some god for second reason? You mean that Carmen Sandiego fanfic that you just wrote more about? Began reworking on? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's amazing, you guys. I have plans, guys. I have plans for Jules Argent. Gay plans. Yeah. Oh, I have gay plans. (laughs) (laughs) It's part of the gay agenda to take over the world. Well, Jules is bisexual. But yes, I have, I have them plans, noir plans. Anyway, uh, we're gonna do another one of those. I just watched, read, saw a thing, played a thing. Uh, Julia was the one who was actually playing Carmen Sandiego last time. Yeah. So. But you just decided to watch fanfic on it. Uh, oh, shut up. It's my turn now, and I recently wrote an article about the curious case of missing Jewish women in media, or how they're you often just like, I'm Jewish because I celebrate Hanukkah. And that's it. You're like, oh, okay, this is present in your character. And the response I got to this article overwhelmingly was, go watch Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Mm. <laughs> Which I hadn't because I didn't know what to make of it. Because, you know, I fucking hate that trope, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, who wouldn't hate that trope? So I go and I watch, I, I'm just now into season two, but I basically just finished season one and I'll report back. And I have to say, guys, go watch the show. Like, really? If only for the songs. Oh my God. That yoga song has been stuck in my oh head my, for a month. Uh, oh my God. That's such a good Getting song. Getting by yeah. from me, that. Look at me. I'm so good at yoga. Honey. <laughs> Getting by is from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend 2, right? Yes, it is. I love that song. Oh, man. Like, here's the thing about it. Here's the thing about it. The premise is that there's... I could sing the theme song to tell you the present, but there's there's a a main character, uh, Rebecca Bloom, who is working in a New York law firm and, like, kind of a little bit miserable with her life. And she's told she's about to be made partner at her firm, like, big accomplishment, and she doesn't feel happy inside. So she kind of starts to have a panic attack, and she runs out onto the New York street to, like, take anti-anxiety meds, basically. And she runs into her, like, fling from summer camp when she was 16, and he's like, oh... I'm moving to West Covina, back home to West Covina, California, which if anyone knows anything about that area, it's just this like completely schlocky, like LA suburb. It's not like, it's not this really lovely place. And she, and she suddenly gets this like really happy feeling in her chest and she decides to move out there. But then what ends up happening is that like, as the show goes on, we do learn like, she's in love with him and that's why she moved out there because i was trying to like excuse in my mind like no 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 she was just having a breakdown this was a coincidence but that's like the excuse she tells everyone and even Mm. the theme song people are singing at her like it's the crazy ex-girlfriend she's going like it's actually more nuanced than that (laughs) but yeah it's really funny but like it's strange because this show plays into tropes like crazy especially with the main character but then they call out every single trope that they play into. So that that song that Julia was singing, I'm so good at yoga. <laughs> her awesome. ex-boyfriend her ex-boyfriend has a girlfriend and the girlfriend's a yoga instructor and everyone's like, "Oh, you guys are going to be so catty." And she's like, "No, we're not. That's just misogynistic bullshit." And then she goes to the yoga class and the yoga teacher sings the song about like, "I'm so much better than you." <laughs> and like how 
but stuff doesn't hurt her. Like, so, yeah, like crazy she's not afraid of trains or clowns. <laughs> Just oh like gosh. objectively crazy shit. But at the same time, the main character, Rebecca, is kind of like a terrible person. So it sort of excuses that she's playing into these tropes in a way that call out every single thing she does. So when you're like, oh my god, I can't believe they're doing that, she says the same thing with you. Mm. Um, there's this one great scene where she's talking to the girlfriend, and the girlfriend's like, girls usually hate me because I just developed really early and was so much prettier with them. And then they started a rumor that I had sex with my English teacher in high school, and we only did hand stuff. And Rebecca's like, Trying to be like, oh, did you report that to the authorities? And the girls like trying to talk onto other things. And Rebecca's <laughs> like, oh no, but like you really should report that because like there could have been other students. Do you know if there are other students? And like, well, so it's like funny and feminist in a weird way, but at the same time, it's like not. I'm so confused by it. And then in the middle, there's just a story about a man who's like 50 who figures out he's bisexual. Because he goes to the gym and he looks at different butts and he likes them both. Yep. <laughs> and that's like... Is that how it works? <laughs> yeah, you learn how to appreciate like, I mean, all asses? Well, there's like a younger dude that was kind of like flirting with him. And, and he's like, what were you flirting with before? He's like, because you were being cute. I'm g- 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 getting by. I'm yeah, getting and then by. he sings goodbye. So it's, it just does these really cool subversive things while also playing into everything. And it's just like fucking enjoyable like it the musical numbers are really funny and the point is that her jewishness is an intrinsic part of her character oh my god <laughs> that was like, supposed to be the point of the shit. segment right <laughs> well she's she's a neurotic lawyer first of all well, yeah. and then she like gets down there and her boss is like oh like like he wants her to be uh his lawyer in um his his divorce and he's like oh man my she's jew is so lawyer? much better no she's like a real estate lawyer <laughs> All lawyers are the same, right? But she's a Jew who went to Harvard and keeps talking about that. And Rachel's like, about the whole Jew thing, we should probably circle back on that. <laughs> but he f- he finds out she's Jewish and he goes, oh, you can't tell. That nose is just small as a button. She's like, okay. So, like, that's the pilot episode. And from there on, she only gets more and more Jewish. There's a song that her mom sings because her mom comes to visit. And her mom, the song just like, okay, Rebecca's sitting quietly in her apartment. And all of a sudden the door bursts over and the mom's going, where's the bathroom? Where's the bathroom? I need to use the bathroom. And then like running around her apartment, insulting it and saying she doesn't clean enough. And like she's getting fat and where are all her vases? And uh, can't, you, can't you tell me where the bathroom is? You lived inside me for nine months. Like all this just like objectively nuts. But like it's, that's the Jewish mother thing like there's another song that they sing in season two where they're like at a jewish like celebration and they sing a song remember that we suffered and it's patty lapone singing about how every jewish holiday needs to be about like remember that we suffered oh my gosh it's (laughs) terrible it's terrible where it's like being happy is selfish remember that we suffered like it's so bad but it's so wonderful speaking of jewish mothers i feel the need to tell them the story about the gender reveal cake Oh my god, please don't. <laughs> I guess you can. I, guess I mean, I don't. I, I just thought it was so funny, like I laughed for ten minutes. But it was just like, Kylie and I were talking one day about how much we hate gender reveal cakes. And she was like, you know, if I ever have a child and there's a gender reveal cake, I'm just gonna like troll people and like have it say gender is a social contract bitches or something. And I was yeah, just like, yeah, yeah. you know, it should be just like Jewish. <laughs> It was just, you could just cut it open, there will be a Star of David. The baby's Jewish! Yeah. The gender is Jewish. 
<laughs> deal with it. No, but um, Re- Rebecca Bloom's uh, Judaism is not mm. at all an informed attribute. She just like screams it with everything. She would have a Jewish gender reveal cake. There, okay, there was a song called A Jap Battle Rap for Jewish American Princess. <laughs> and it's her and this other Jewish American princess rapping at each other. And they're just like... Oh my god, they're talking about like, oh, you opened your mouth for the AE pies, and like, if you think your verse is tight, you must be tripping like birthright. It's ridiculous! I've never seen anything like this before. Ugh, yeah. Watch this show. I think it's fair to say that you are enjoying it. Yeah, but like, I feel guilty about enjoying it, because at the same time, I'm like, it's playing into the tropes! Just now, just the most recent episode, there's a little bit of a love triangle. I'm like, no, I don't want a love triangle. And then they sing a song about, like, teach me the geometry of love triangles. <laughs> and it's, like, got all these men in the background singing about, you know, hypotenuses and the Pythagorean's theorem. <laughs> it's really weird. So it sounds like it lampshades quite yes. a bit. And that that that's a part of, do you think that that makes it any better because it's lampshading or just more enjoyable? I mean, um, get to drink, everybody. Game of Thrones lampshades its own shittiness all the time, and that doesn't oh make it better. I mean, it's, it's, I, I actually struggle with that tension a lot, Gretchen, mm-hmm. because as I'm watching it, I'm like, I know this is playing this, like, stupid bullshit straight, but I think it does help. It really does, because it shows the self-awareness on the part of the yeah. writers as they're doing it. It doesn't sound like it's playing it. straight and, at all, actually. Right. And at the same time, you're not really meant to sympathize with Rachel, uh, mm. Re- Rebecca. Oh my god, I confused my stock Jewish names. <laughs> No, you're you're not meant to sympathize with her at all because she's kind of a terrible person and they make that point over and over again. So when she's getting super catty with another woman, it's just kind of like, oh, that fucking idiot. She totally has friends. I have friends. I definitely have friends. She sings a song about that. I felt so attacked. (laughs) Is there like a song every episode? Oh, there's two songs every episode, sometimes more. Oh, I didn't realize it was so musical. Yeah, that's that's part of it. Um, It was... Described as, like, Flight of the Concords meets Ali McBeal or something. That can't be right. Flight of the Concords meets something. But, um, it's always sunny. <laughs> no. I mean, to me, it's just very, like, straight, tropey. I don't know. But you, you could just, you could tell that the writers enjoy Broad City. You know what I mean? Uh. <laughs> So I, I give it a I give it two Kylie thumbs up, even though I know I shouldn't. But at the same time, it's kind of like watching, you know, anything else problematic where you could call it out. But then it does the work for you. You don't even have to. It's just like, yeah, this is what we're doing. You're like, oh, you assholes, you're doing that. And then it's, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Well, and that was kind of the element that I was thinking of that reminds me of It's Always Sunny, which is one of my mm-hmm. problematic fave shows. Because, like, the whole point of it is, like, this is just a bunch of assholes. Right? So, like, when horrible things happen to them, you're like, well, yeah, but you're an asshole. So, like, you kind of deserve it. <laughs> and it was so funny this recent season with Always Sunny, too, because there were people, like, serious shippers getting on the whole, like, Mac and Dennis are gonna happen thing. I'm like, what show do you think this is? Def- this is just about terrible people having terrible things happen to them. Right, yeah. This is just a show about a bunch of assholes. But yeah, and then there's all these posts like Mac deserves better. No, he doesn't. No, no, not at all. You have completely missed the point of that show. The whole point is like (laughs) none of them deserve better. Except, except maybe Charlie. Except maybe Charlie because he's dumb. But like, 
there was that one episode where Dee and Charlie were actually like inspiring each other and having a really good relationship together. Yep. And it was compelling and you're like, oh my god, I, I want this for them. They're bringing out the best in each other. But then of course, you know, the group dynamics that's in that they can't do that because they can't have anything good because yeah. they're that dysfunctional. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think I just love any show that calls out a dysfunction. And, and with Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, by the third episode, they're like saying she's not a good person. Mm. Outright. In inverse, people are saying you're a bad person. <laughs> inverse. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's this one character, Greg, who just is like, you're a shitty person, Rebecca. And it's wonderful. Um, and that that helps my guilt when watching it. Because it would be nice, you know, if you're watching James Bond, if someone goes up to him and you're like, wow, you're a fucking sexist asshole. Yep, yep. Which I think Daniel Craig was actually trying to do with Skyfall, now that I think about it. <laughs> trying to call He's out- trying to, like, obviously convey that this is, like, a troubled man, you know? Yeah, that's true. And and Daniel Craig in interviews has no chill. He's just like, yeah, he's a total asshole. Yes. But, well, he's, yep. he's honest about the character that he's playing. Yeah. But that is the thing I watched, so thank you for letting me ramble for 15 minutes. <laughs> I I heartily recommend it, yeah. Alright. And seasons one and two are on Netflix. Nice. So, great for binging. So, any last words before Gretchen goes, Julia, that we want our uh, listeners to hear? I don't know. You're going to be in the Southern Hemisphere. It's going to be weird. I, I don't know. It's going to be weird. I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do. Seriously. When we get back, we can talk about black sales, though, if Julia gets mm. caught up. Yes. Yes, because <laughs> I I am almost done with season three, and I have a lot of thoughts, thoughts about it, and I'm not even done. So yeah, it's not on Canadian Netflix. Yeah, we could have a we could have a constructive talk about it, but, Julia. I'll find it for you. Yeah, Jane the Virgin is on. I should watch that. I've heard good things. Yeah, I've heard good things about that as well. Uh, I want to get caught up on Crazy Ex Girlfriend first because it's just invaded my mind but and i'm gonna be watching into the badlands too apparently that's the thing people really like so i have so there you go yep so yeah we will we we will each have something to say i watched a thing about maybe that could be the next i watched a thing i can talk about into the badlands yeah yeah we can have an i watched a thing special Ooh, recommendation special special episode i guess i'll have to find more things With all of the free time that we all have. (laughs) I know. I have so much. Gretchen, when you get back, though, it will be, like, June, basically, right? I know. So then Winona Earp is almost going to be back on. I'm so excited. And then Korosami Comics are coming the month after that. I know. It's going to be great. You mean Korra Comics. Hmm? You called them Korosami Comics. I mean, Korosami. That's what they were billed as. Like, come on, let's let's just call a a napkin a napkin here. (laughs) To use that. <laughs> oh, turf wars. Turf wars that is going to be all about, you know, cleaning up that political mess on the border. Because, yeah, that's why people really want to read the Legend of Korra comic. I mean, like, that's what I'd rather. I'd seriously take a comic that's nothing but Korra and Asami in some kind of meeting scenario. <laughs> I mean, well, that's still Korra Asami, though. Well, it's it just be not Spirit World Vacation Korra Asami. Yeah, this is, like, what I want to do with my relationships, too, though. Like, wouldn't it be more interesting if we were both at a trial and, like, in some kind of procedural situation? Oh Isn't gosh. that just interesting? <laughs> sure. I, I'm, I'm we, well. lo- we love you, Kylie. Uh, thank you. <laughs> All right. Um, All right. 
we're we're gonna let Gretchen get out of here. I'm not even sure if we're gonna do another segment on this because we kept just rambling about nothing. Yeah, Gretchen, have a wonderful, wonderful time in South, South Africa. Africa, far away from us. Yep. Don't get eaten by a lion. Yes. <laughs> I will try my hardest not to get eaten by Actually, a lion. Actually, you know what, dude? Watch out for hippos because they're way more dangerous. That's yeah, hippos true. are freaking, yeah, mm. dangerous. Good. I'm glad I'm glad you know about your hippo danger. Yep. Uh, but yeah, you know, thank you everyone for tuning in. Please subscribe to us and recommend us if you feel so compelled. And we will talk to you next time. Bye. I'm afraid I've been thinking. <laughs> Dangerous pastime. I know. <laughs> <laughs>